Come on. Who in this bitch? So depending on the vibe, and I saw you singing this the other day on your story. Oh, okay. There is. This is, you know, she's my favorite, so. I thought you really knew this, but it's okay. We'll start it off with this. <laughs> hold on. Are you talking about? Hold on, let's. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. It's like a minute and a half. Wow. All right. Damn, it's like two minutes. Wow. I thought I didn't know it was that long. Okay, wait. We're gonna get started now. You know you better watch out. Okay. Okay, okay. All right. What's up, everybody? It is Michelle and Aaron Hurley, um, my good friend, cool ass chick, black belt, funny, amazing, um, many more amazing things about her that we're going to talk about during this podcast. And I'm excited to have her. So it was just really random. And normally, I normally I'm going to have Zara on these podcasts, but um, today her schedule was not working out. But I just thought it'd be better, you know, for us to do it together. But um, anyways, I just wanted to say I'm so excited to have you on. I love you. And um, yeah, so we're going to just talk about a bunch of shit. And just I'm going to ask Aaron some stuff. I'm sure if you follow Erin, you love her just by her silliness <laughs> and all this crazy shit she does on the daily. But um, personally, I love Erin because literally she can make me laugh any day. And also um, she does a lot of awareness stuff for suicide. And I think that's an amazing thing. And so we're going to get into a little bit of that and talk about, um, you know, Erin's background and why she is just so as amazing as she is okay so um i feel like i'm just like about to get an acceptance yeah like to something like you just gave me an acceptance speech and like all these things i just feel like just so nice. no that's who you are and i i you know me i don't bullshit about nobody no. nothing you know i when i when we first met i was like you know what what we were at black house and then renee was like she's a black belt and i'm like no and so in a way, I was kind of like, didn't want to, you know, I want to be badass too. And so I was kind of like a bitch. You're like tough. You were just tough. Like you were so like open with the guys and joking with them. And they just, they would all just be like, oh, I love Michelle. She's so great. And I'm like, I want to love Michelle too. <laughs> no. I just waited for my time. It's, that's funny you say that because I don't know what guys were saying that. Maybe Miguel? Miguel. Okay, Miguel. Miguel. Oh, okay. No. The little babies of yeah, the gym. Yeah, they looked up to you. They were like, oh my gosh, they, she treats me so well. She does so much for me. That's so nice. I love them. And plus, you, like, you could take a joke, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, she's so cool. Like, it's so funny when a guy says that a girl is cool. Like, there's actually a lot of merit to that. I think that's why we get along so well. Yeah. Because we really are just those two random girls. Cool girls. Yeah, we get along, you know? We get along with the boys. No, no, no. Cool chick. I guess. So it was actually funny because Renee tells me like, hey, you know, so she's black belt. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I'm like kind of intimidated, but then also I'm excited because I'm like, she's going to teach me some badass stuff and I'm all excited about it. And But I didn't know how to approach her. So she was obviously feeling the same type of way about me because I would train with Miguel. I would train with Juanito, um, you know, go follow him, Brazilian samurai. And you know, we just never talked to each other, but we just kind of stayed in our own lane. And then one day, um, Renee was like, she's going to train over here and then I'm going to train her and then she's going to train you. And I was like, yes. And then one day I was training and I'm like, wait, are you going to train me? And she said something to me and I was like, she's like, yeah. 
And then we gave each other a hug, and then we became like the bestest of friends. Yeah, I think it was funny because they were like, "Oh no, Michelle, she's awesome! Like, if you you could like train with her and stuff." And I'm like, "Okay." And it's like, you know, I'm waiting to be asked out. Like, <laughs> like that approach. You know? <laughs> and for me, especially, um, I'm not very good with like formal introductions. Right. Make me feel like it's not genuine, and I usually don't even remember someone's name. Like when it's like, "Hi, I'm this." And right. And, like, I'm not focused on getting the name. I'm actually more focused on not fucking it up. I'm like, okay, I'm, hi, I'm Aaron. That makes sense. You know, and I make sure that I'm like, oh, how are you? Yeah. Whatever. And I'm, like, thinking about those social cues. But if someone were to have, like, stood next to me, I'd be like, it's fucking hot. And I'm like, fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> and then you just get to talking. And then eventually you're like, oh, yeah, what's your name? Yeah. And that's the more casual way. And I feel like that's, that's like, the most organic way to meet me. Totally. And, you know, I don't always get that opportunity, especially if, like, I'm at an academy or something and things are supposed to be formal or I'm in like, I guess like a, a role model role or like I'm trying to set an example or I'm re- representing someone else's name, things like that. Right. I'm like, oh, I equate that with being formal. So like I needed that to be able to like, to just talk to you because everyone was like, yeah, you should meet. And I'm not the person that just goes up to you like, hi, I'm Aaron. Right. Like, I right. I have to be probably drunk. Um, normally, you know, it's weird because normally I would be like that. And I, I wasn't getting any ba- bad vibes from you. You know right. how I am. I'm like, right. I get bad vibes it's from like people. I feel people out sometimes. Right. And, you know, like. I think it wasn't that we, I think we knew we were going to like each other. It was just like, like the right timing kind of thing. Yeah. Like when we were dating, like, okay, when are we going to have sex? Yeah, that right. was just in a non lezzy way at all. But yeah. just like, hey, yeah, like, when are we going to become make, friends? When are you going to make your move? Yeah. So that's how we became friends. And ever since, um, I've enjoyed her crazy humor and the crazy shit she does um, from dancing, her white girl dance, to falling on her ass that I caught on video, if any of you guys watch. I'm sure many of you enjoy that. I get many messages when I post those videos. So stay tuned, because I always get the goods of Erin. But now that we're talking about, you know, role models and all that jazz that you were just saying about, um, you know, introducing yourself and how you're always so always thinking ahead, you know, growing up, were you, how were you? Like, did you do jujitsu? Did you, were you in sports? Cause now as a role model, I know that a lot of that comes from being a black belt and also, you know, being as, I keep saying it, being as badass as you are. I mean, how long did it take you to become a black belt? Like, okay, so I didn't really train jiu-jitsu as a kid. Okay. Um, I didn't do any sports as a kid. I was in peewee basketball in the third grade, never got the ball, like nothing. I just had like the t-shirt to show for it. Um, and so I never really did team sports. I never did solo sports. Probably should have done gymnastics. But I didn't identify as an athlete, okay? So whenever I would have friends or I would see people, like they would have like game day and they'd be walking around classes like in their uniforms. Or they get to leave early, or they're carrying around those big bags and right. all that stuff for training. And I was like, I have no idea what that's like, but it sounds awful. Um, <laughs> and I just kind of like hung out with meth heads and and. School. Oh really? Yeah, like I didn't. I never did any drugs at all. But um, you just hung out with the wrong crowd. But I just did. I, I mean, at the time, I was like, they're fine. They're not the wrong crowd. Like they're they're funny to me, you know. Like maybe they're kind of idiots sometimes, and they you know take over the counter medication. Uh, many doses see so I had those like triple C's and whatever right and I was like cool guys that's cool that's cool <laughs> you know um like I just had friends that I didn't want to be judged you know right like, I had friends that were in like this club or that club or they were the cheerleader like the popular and I think I never wanted to be categorized I never right. wanted to I never wanted to like try to fit in because if I did they'd be like well you're not that good at being like Kelly over there. Totally. You know, oh, you're not as good as this person. Like, I was always chasing someone else's idea of me, so I just... That's so crazy. Up, but I, I rebelled against it. So I would wear, weird, like, weird shirts, like, blue blue shirt. I don't have, like, a hot pink um, bikini top over my shirt with, like, a skirt, two different colored tube socks, two different <laughs> colored converse. Like, I just wanted to be as weird as possible. So did you, from, you know, high school years... Or- I don't know, middle school years, were you still accepted by the cool kids, but you just wanted to not be totally in that crowd? I just, so I have this very like high social awareness yeah. where I just pick up on everything and then I read it, my anxiety reads it a certain way, usually negative. Right. So I'm thinking about all the ways that you feel about me before you've ever mm. even met me or seen like really like, you know? So you're just like... I just pick up on it and, uh, and body language and whatever else it is and I just... 
I have this fear and that's what gets in my head. I see. Like, I, like, like I'm constantly talking shit to myself all the time about what other people could be talking about. Like almost like to try and like prepare myself just in case it happens or whatever it is, you know, it's just social anxiety. Right. Thinking the worst. Um, and so like, I never really like got so along with like everyone else because I was just always afraid of what they thought of me. So sometimes my brain will be like, no, that person hates you. And I will literally feel that they hate me and I will do certain things like avoid them or whatever. And then they think that I'm being the bitch because I'm avoiding them. I see. And it just gets all fucked up. So that has always been my problem. Um, but then, uh, like when I found jujitsu, it wasn't until I was 20. I was 19 and I was turning 20. And what made you want to start? Um, well, I used to go to hardcore shows, so I, I'd always had this, like, aggression. It's right. weird because you would think, okay, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, like, you know, um, like, uh, Mean Girls. So Regina George, at the end of it all, gets into rugby. Right. <laughs> like, she found an outlet. Right. You know, for all of her, like, whatever it was. That's how I feel jiu-jitsu was for me. Okay. And it's kind of like, why didn't I try doing something like this sooner? Like, why not? Yeah. I don't know. I would literally walk home from school as a senior and I would have like a can of Coke and a cup of noodle. Like I literally thought that dieting was only for people who uh, wore their uniforms to school and carried big bags of equipment. But were like your parents implemented or anything like Um, that? My mom is really big on diets, but again, she was just like a part of like all of the fads and whatnot. Right. You know, this fad, that fad. And then, you know, nowadays people are just being educated on like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't eat anything processed. Maybe you should eat real, like natural food. Right. Um, and so my mom is like with a nutritionist finally. Got it. Um, but even growing up, everyone thought that hamburger helper was literally the finest thing. Totally. We grew up eating cereal, which is just sugar. A hundred percent. How did we not die? I know. I don't know. My mom's like, I didn't know. I didn't know. It's just so crappy because I say it all the time that people like who are older my parents generation they just have the shit end of the stick when it comes down to like diets and stuff i see it i get i struggle with it when i'm like you know trying to talk about the protein donut and stuff people don't believe that it's good people don't believe that it could be healthy for you because it's a donut i can't eat that um i'm gonna stay away from it but it's just because it's there's keto there's paleo there's vegan there's this and all i ever ever say to people is whatever works for you. And if you have to go through every single one, because, you know, maybe the paleo diet doesn't work for you, but then you went on keto and you dropped 50 pounds and your heart is amazing, then who the fuck am I to tell you that that's a shitty diet? What I hate are the people who are on the keto diet and tell everybody else, like, or even vegan, whatever it is. Exactly. 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 You tried everything and you found what worked for you. Right. But to get off topic, um, to get back to the topic, yeah, it just sucks because our parents' generation, they just heard everything like Atkins, keto, da da da, low carb. It just, it sucks. When we were kids, it was got milk. Yeah. They made us believe that milk had the most calcium. And then it comes, it comes out later, like when we're all like 20 something and it's like broccoli has more calcium than milk or some weird, I think it, I think it's that. Right, 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 right. That we were already eating, like, but literally, it was it was purely marketing. Totally. That told us that okay, you'll get six pack abs right. if you just drink milk. Right. No one drinks milk now. My boyfriend does. Like milk. Okay, fine. <laughs> like not like you know, not to throw him under the bus. <laughs> Sorry. When I was a kid, I'd run, I'd run home like after like just you know like, chasing after my friends and then. All I wanted was a glass of milk with ice. My mom loves milk with ice. It's like the same thing. There's some people who just love it with cookies, who love it with sweets, who love it just as like, it's, you know. Milky things. Right. My oatmeal's, I like it like soup. Yeah. And I have a lot of milk. My coffee is like the color of my white skin. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know that. So, like, I like creamy things. Like, I actually, anytime I do eat cereal now, which is like high fiber from Trader Joe's, um, it makes me feel better about it. But it's not, it's not that bad. But I use half and half. Erin, next topic. Um, she knows I'm going to get upset about this. That's how I like milk. But I still will not just drink regular milk. So anyways, power of marketing, you know, with that. But um, also, growing up, you know, I didn't have really that knowledge. And I just thought that I was like that. That's just not me. Right, you know? right. Um, and then when I found jiu-jitsu, I just realized, like, I feel like shit when I train. And then I was able to become, like, more... You know, just like able. Actually, jujitsu helped with a lot. I feel like 
growing up, I thought I had a lot of potential, Mm -hmm. but I just didn't. I really got discouraged all the time. I remember when I had to have a pep talk from a friend and she goes, you know, you wear that weird shit all the time. And I just look up to you so much because you're so confident. Right. And I'm like, yeah, at some point I was like, I feel like I would go through these confident stages, but they never kept. Um, Why is that? Um, I don't know. Maybe just like wanting to belong. Everyone wants to belong. Totally. Right. Like that's our, that's our nature. Like I know that, um, Brene Brown speaks to that a lot. Um, cause she's like the, the vulnerability courage coach. Right. And so she would say like, everyone wants to belong to a certain extent. And so I think I wanted to be like the outcast that I couldn't get judged, but then I was an outcast. I totally. I wanted. And then it was just like, okay. So I feel like I still kind of deal with that. Like, I could never just fit in. Like, I've always been, um, you know, like original. I always... But that's why people love you. Yes, but it's also very difficult. It is. I, I, be, I you know, I butt heads a lot with people, you know, like, even through jujitsu, this and that. And, like, there's turmoil. It's, it's a lot easier to just be a conformist. It's so much easier. But I literally cannot. So I've always had to do things differently. I push people and I test them. Right. And they think that I'm doing it on purpose, but I'm not. Right. I literally just... It's like when... It's like kind of, I guess, this is annoying as someone who always has to be right. They can't even admit when they were wrong. I'm not saying that's how I am at all, but like that could be frustrating. Yeah, it is. Um, And so I push people and stuff. But, um, you know, then it took me eight years to get my black belt. So I was able to sort of, you know, put it all together and compete and all those things. And and finally, like eight years. And they say that it, it takes about 10 years for the average person. That's amazing. An average being like someone who's not doing it daily right. or twice a day like I was, like making it a career. And what gave you the fire to do that? Literally doing it. Like once you're doing jiu-jitsu and, you know, you're using techniques on stronger opponents and you're totally negating everything that they're doing to you using like leverage. Like yeah. It's science. That's why I have so many nerds in jiu-jitsu. Like, you know, the knee heads don't do so well because it's literally how you position right. them, how you make right. them, the timing of it, you know? From just in the little that I've showed you, I think that, you know, you understand that. Totally. And, um, you know, it's not for some people, but for me, it was like, wow, I can learn something and I can see the growth in me and to see how powerful my body is. And I never felt that my, I was always ashamed of my body because I never worked out because I thought, you know, working out was for fools. Um, and so I just, you know, I, I wanted to be that person, but I didn't know how I had a motivation. And so you find a lot of like-minded individuals. Right. And we're all literally suffering together because, you know, doing cardio for the first time while rolling with people and stuff, like it's really difficult. So I overcame a lot of challenges, just a lot. Yeah. And I felt like there was like immediate rewards, you know, you get a strike or you win a competition or like literally just the feeling of getting a, a certain sweep that you had been working on and drilling. Totally. Um, it just feels really, really good. So that it's kind of like the more I do it, the more I do it. Right. I can relate. I can relate with the... Um... When I started kickboxing, I was like, why am I here? What am I doing? This hurts. I hate it. Like, I did not, I felt so uncomfortable, but they say that's the best time to do things is when you're uncomfortable, you know? And I always just said like, wow, my legs hurt, da, 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 da. Like, I don't think I want to do this. I don't think it's for me. And even to this day, like, Elon and Juan will like hint to me like you should totally fight and I'm like no like but I just I just don't have it in me to want the fire I mean I think that if something drastic were to happen to me like what happened to you and we're gonna get in that topic right now um thankfully Aaron is gonna talk and allow me to talk about these things with her because she you know I think it's in a very important topic um But I feel like that's when I would gain that fire to want to do something like that. I can prove like, you know, anything, something so crazy can happen to me, but I'm strong enough to get through this. And yeah. Yeah. So you're really into um, suicide awareness and yeah, mental health. Can you get into a little bit of that? Yeah. So um, I've always kind of been an intense kid, I guess. Um, the thing is, I probably would have been labeled as one of those rebellious, you know, ADD kids, but I was smart too. Um, so I, they, they were like, well, she's not one of those idiot, just rebellious, difficult children. Right. Um, she's difficult because she don't stop asking why, or, <laughs> you know, just things like that. But I also would be kind of devious because the thing is, even from a young age, anytime there were rules, I was like, but why? I asked questions, you know, just like when I got here and I'm asking Renee a million questions about everything and you're like, 
I never knew that. Like, you didn't ask the question. I personally love that, though. My niece is like, why, why, why? And right. it's like... Why is the sky blue? It's, yeah. You know, and we don't think about those things. And then you we have, you know, Google at our fingertips now. So totally. I, I Google things literally every day. It could be like a feeling I'm going through. It could be like, why did this guy text me yesterday but not today? Right. <laughs> and I just want to see people's responses. Like, I Google everything. I'm just interested in knowing. And so that's kind of what led me to everything... In my life, right, is being like, but why? What, what's this? What's that? You know, um, so you know, being like, I really was an ADD kid. It was really difficult um, to deal with a lot. But my parents didn't really believe in the therapy. Um, my parents, unfortunately, really like cared kind of like how how the family looks. You know, um, there was a lot of just like maybe verbal abuse, emotional abuse, some like you know my dad's own demons and, and whatnot. Um, and so my mom was kind of like goes to work and, you know, um, faces the day, right. With, with her brave face on. And that's just kind of how it is. You know, when you have turmoil in the home, you don't really want to have to bring it up again because it creates so much trauma and drama. And so it's like, when everything's good, you're just like, all right, cool. It's good. Right. Right. And that's kind of how I grew up, you know, I didn't know who was going to get mad or like if I was going to piss my parents off because I did something and you're a single child. Like, no, I'm an older sister. She oh, okay. really push buttons. She's, I mean, she's totally like opposite of me. Right. Um, you know, more introverted, just brilliant, and just by the book, kind of like my mom. Right. I'm just like everywhere and all, I want to get into everything, like I just said. So I really tested my parents. My sister didn't really test them because, like, my sister did something wrong. She would, like, punish herself and go to her room. <laughs> that was easy. You know? And then for me, they're like, but you keep doing it. Right. Or, or like, no, you don't understand, like, the punishment, so we have to do it in three times. Um, There's always one. Just, just things like, that's just difficult, you know? I don't know, I guess I like being difficult. There's always one. So, um, yeah, we had a lot of turmoil, like, growing up, and then, um, you know, I, I, I for sure exhibited, like, depression and, you know, anxiety, and I didn't get tested for it until I was in my late teens and early 20s. That's when I started seeing therapists, like, on my own, because I made that choice for myself. My parents didn't make right. Um, How, so, they just didn't believe in it. My mom had a bad experience, and my dad didn't really give a shit about doctors too much. Okay, he wasn't really big on that um, unless he really, really needed to. And so, yeah. And so when I um, grew up, you know, I always saw that, um, and so I really hated it. I hated that what I wore and um, you know the things that I would say or how I would act. Is always always representing my parents, you know, like right, you know, and I had a good look at so anytime like I didn't fight in school, I avoided all fights, I avoided all getting in trouble at all because I didn't want my parents to like punish me for that or you know I was scared more of my like my, my parents like right. The only day I ditched was on senior ditch day and I asked if I could. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. And I was I was still seventeen, but but still like I asked my parents, um, and so yeah, I was just kind of scared of them. So, you know, I found out that I generalized anxiety disorder, meaning I just sort of, like, my body would be like, there's something wrong. Yeah. You know? And I'm all, oh, my God, what is it? And they're like, I don't know. You know? It's, like, almost like I'm looking at my body reacting a certain way, and I'm like, oh, shit, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. I don't know. It's just stupid shit. Or or I can picture, like, if my if someone doesn't text back, I'm like, oh, they're dead, and this is how they died. I'm like, I'll put this oh, whole my story God. in my head. Yeah. And my mom did that, so... If I didn't text my mom back when she got me texting when I was 15, like, I I was dead. And then it would, that would make her so angry for making her think that. My sister, on the other hand, had a habit of not answering. So if she didn't answer, it was normal. My mom knew my phone was always in my hand. And if I didn't text back, I would always get in so much trouble. Right. So I blame my mother for keeping me addicted. Also, the release of dopamine when you get notifications and things like that. Right. Being addicted to the phone. But anyway, so I have all these tendencies... I got really depressive when I was in high school, really, really bad. Um, I slit my wrist once, not not with like the intent of suicide, but right. just you know, like self harming. Right. Um. So yeah, I just was like, man, I'm fucking worthless. This and that. And I, I used to like starve myself because I'd be like, I don't even deserve to eat. Like I hated myself. That's where my depression comes in. So it was always like flow here and there. And is it just because you felt? Like you didn't know who you were or had a place or was it, yeah, you just was, didn't know what was going on? Like I didn't know what my worth was because I didn't really have a purpose. So things would trigger me, whether it was like a guy who rejected me or broke up with me. Right. Or, you know, like, or, or like if my parents wouldn't let me go do something and all of a sudden it's, 
becomes this huge thing because I can't have it. Right. Like, oh my God. Maybe the last time I see that person, I, I would just make up these huge things and flip the fuck out. My mom used to call me the exorcist child because like my head would be spinning. Right. I would just be like, just so distraught, like hyperventilating, crying, screaming, angry, throwing things. Like I could not process my emotions. I didn't understand what's happening. Just felt like the world was ending. Right. And that went all, all the way up into my adult times. Like I remember I got in an accident I was going up the 405, headed south to, like, the bigger tar- uh, side of the hill. And I was just going, like, normal. And then the people in front of me slammed on the brakes. And because it was a hill, I had already kind of been, like, like really going on the gas. And I couldn't stop in time. And I rear-ended this truck. And the truck kept on going. I didn't even think there was much damage. But my little Ford Focus, you know, had a crunched-up hood. And, like, I had wow. people before. And um, I told my mom, like, I, I was flipping out. I was so flipping out. Like, I have an out-of-body experience. Like, right. oh, my God, this is happening to me. And so um, then I felt guilty because I was thinking what my mom was going to think, what my sister's going to think, and all these people are going to think. And I'm beating myself up already. So I call my mom, and I'm crying. And I was like, she was going to follow me. She, we were going to Worlds to watch the Jiu-Jitsu Worlds, mm-hmm. but I was going to drive separate. So she was just like in the middle of getting ready to go. She goes, oh, my God, what, what happened? What happened? Of course, her anxiety goes fucking wild because I'm like sounding like I'm getting raped on the phone. And my mom gives the phone to my sister, and my sister's like, What's wrong? You're like, I'm going to jump off this fucking cliff right now. I'm going to fucking jump. Like, I was just, I don't know. It's, it would get triggered, and I would just be like, yup, this is the day that I die. And, like, for whatever reason, it would just go from zero to 100 really fast. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up getting on medication and things like that. I see. So, um, yeah. I totally understand that because I don't deal with, I, I obviously don't deal with it to that extent. Yeah. And then, like, my family is very about, like, no, we don't ever do anything like that. We'll never take anything, you know, like no prescriptions, nothing. And it's like a weakness to have, you know, and it's just, to me, I'm not. Right. And I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say like, I have, I do get anxiety. There have been times where I do. Yeah. You've seen it. And there's times where I have, you know, uh, had to pull over on the road and just breathe, you know, and call my parents. And that's real. And that's the thing, like, people don't understand that that is a really scary situation, especially if you're driving or there's something going on, you know, and it's it's a really scary situation when you, it's like an outer body experience, like you said, yeah. happening inside and you're just, all of a sudden, you have these, like, messages that are, like, giving you this idea that the world is ending. It literally just feels like you are in a room and all four walls are coming in on you. That's really what it feels like. like, And and like your brain's trying to problem solve and your brain's like, it's not that bad because this and this and this. And then, you know, other parts of your brain are like speaking to you like, fuck yeah, it is. Right. Right. But, um, do you, so I have found other ways and maybe, you know, maybe I'm hiding (laughs) how severe my anxiety may be. I, I, have found it to become a little bit better as the months have come along, but it does get time to time. It can get worse than other months. But, um, do you think that this stuff, depression, anxiety runs through family? It's like, okay. So it definitely is. They have, they have proof. Um, and so my, my dad never got diagnosed with anything. Cause again, like they didn't like doctors. My mom never did. My mom was a helicopter mom had like, has the clearest signs of anxiety. And we almost joke about it now. I'm actually still trying to get her to go to therapy. Right. She's closer and closer. It's good. She just got a heart monitor. Oh wow. She's having palpitations. Oh and I no. I believe that's anxiety and stress. Cause she's going through a lot right now. And so she wanted to get a heart monitor. She's like, no, no, it's my, maybe it's my heart. Like she wants to, she does not want to admit that it could be mental, mental illness. My sister and I are both on antidepressants. So I found antidepressants in 2016, early 2016, um, because I had one more episode with my ex and I took everything out on him. Um, and I freaked out. Like we were driving and he literally was trying to get out of the car, like while I was screaming at him because it was completely unwarranted. It was just some stuff that I had built up in my head and he had no idea that his behavior was triggering it. And he's just like, what the fuck, you know? And I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm insane. Like I, I can't even function and I'm going to push everyone away. So that's when I want to end the presence. But prior to that, um, when I was living in New Jersey with my ex, um, I got a phone call from my aunt and she called me and it was like, kind of late. And I think I was like looking in the mirror, like popping my pimples while Jason was in the shower. <laughs> um, it was past time for me. Freaking but, Aaron, um, man. When I... Uh, you know, so I get this, you know, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I don't like talking on the phone, especially not right now. So then she leaves a message. So I listen to the message and she's like, you need to call me right away. So I'm like, oh my God, this sounds really serious. So, 
Um, I call my, I call her and she goes, you know, your dad died. I'm like, holy fuck. And it's like sinking. He goes, she, uh, he shot himself. And, and that was just like, we have a gun. Like I, I didn't even know. Like I was just like, I had no idea, um, that that would ever happen because I didn't even know my dad was a gun guy really. Um, and turns out he's had this gun. I thought it was a BB gun because he did have a BB gun, but it right. was um, a 22 caliber Remington. Wow. Um, uh, and rifle and you know he did it in my garage at my house where I currently live and my mom found him and you know so I got this call my mom was being basically questioned by the police it was a whole fucking thing they were like making her draw pictures of what she saw wow and he had he actually sat at the corners for about like two weeks because they had to test the gunpowder on his hand and make sure that it was his doing um, you know, and then you get the death certificate and it literally says gunshot wound to the head. Right. Um, you know, suicide. So yeah, like that's a really, really complicated thing. So I, you know, I came home and, um, it was obviously like super heavy, but we just sort of like banded together. Cause it's weird. Like even though I have anxiety and my mom does too, and my sister in a way too, it's almost like the big stuff, the big, big stuff. It's like, okay, all right, this is going to be a process. And then mm-hmm. you have time to think in this night, obviously we freak out. There's times we freak out. But we're also like, there's stuff to be done. Right. You know, we're like productive mode. So we actually found a therapist. We went to a grieving counselor and we all three went. That's you know, good. To talk about it. And that's when I came up with the idea that in lieu of flowers and donations, because, you know, with the life insurance and stuff to cover that, that wasn't the problem. Um, it was, I just, I was like, okay, this happens, you know, and immediately you look for other people who have happened, uh, who have had that happen to them before. Um, the night, the night that it happened, um, and I got the call and my mom, you know, my aunt had to go and I was talking to my sister, couldn't talk to my mom. And I was just like freaking the fuck out, obviously. And so I called my friend Charlene because at the time, you know, Charlene was a good friend and we, you know, hung out, talked about a lot of stuff. We sent memes to each other, whatever. And we trained together when I was at Cobrinas in LA and, uh, I knew she didn't have a dad because her dad had died when she was younger and she was really close and never she really posted about him and stuff like that. Right. And, uh, and he had died of cancer. So it's completely unrelated to the suicide, but it was like, she doesn't have a dad and now I don't have a dad and I just need to relate to someone. And I called her and then literally as she picked up, I said that and it's like, um, my dad just died and I know that you don't have a dad and I just don't know what to do. And she wow. talked to me, went to my mom and called me. Um, and so you're, you're looking for someone to just be like, understand, oh my God, like I can't, I can't communicate what this feels like, right. put it in words, but maybe if someone has all, you know, felt it. So I almost like took it upon myself. Like I put a fucking cape on and was like, I'm going to use this. I'm going to fucking use this. Like instead of sitting in my self pity or my dad's pity or whatever, it's like, I'm just going to go out there and tell people this is what happened because I know that there's so many times that people would say, Oh, he died in his sleep. Oh, I think his heart gave out. Or like they just say he passed away. Right. And inquisitive minds want to know, like, it's just that that's, that's the game, you know, of life, right? You always kind of want to know whatever, whenever you know that someone was withholding information, even though it's sensitive information, it's just, you know, we have that curiosity. Totally. So I was like, I'm going to own it. I'm going to fucking own it. Like, yeah, my dad shot himself in the head. You know, and it's, this fucking happens every day, not just to me. Yeah. Because I decided to... Because, I mean, like, how... I mean, you were probably so shocked because you had no idea that your dad dealt with anything. I might have issues for fucking... But you... Sure. Did you know, like, did... And I knew I had issues. Yeah. So I knew, and I was, I was learning so much about it on my own and understanding myself that I could understand my dad because we were very similar. And I think that's why he was always kind of, like, I don't know, like... It not intimidated by me, but just like threatened by me or something. Like, right. Because I'm like a little smart ass here mm-hmm. and there, you know? And so was my dad. Mm-hmm. And he had a lot of issues with his dad dying at a young age before he got closure and, um, you know, alcohol and stuff like that. So when you, when you have those patterns, they don't, they stay. Yeah. It's just that that's the way someone is. That's, that's it. Um, whereas I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to settle for that. That's like, why am I this way? So yeah, I did a lot of work introspectively and. You're so strong. So that's such a hard thing to do. I felt like I was kind of prepared. Um, And as sad as it sounds, it had become a pedestal for me because it's one thing to be like, hey guys, like I have anxiety and so I know what it feels like. So I'm going to post this about Mm -hmm. it and, you know, blah, blah, blah. You should listen to me. Right. Um, You know, it takes to be like, 
Yeah, my dad shot himself in my garage, you know? And then people are like, oh shit, she's tough. Doesn't matter what the how I handle shit. Right. You're still gonna call me tough because you haven't dealt with that. Right. You know? So the I mean, I'm just used to people saying, Oh, you're so brave, you're so strong and I'm like yeah, but I mean, I've worked up to that. You know, I didn't have a choice. That I just see it as that. I didn't have a choice. So um, I kind of took it as, I told my mom, I remember told, telling her, I was like, we have an opportunity to help other people because, you know, we, we can think about the process of this and how people have to deal with this and how to make it easier, you know? And that's when I started to hashtag submit the stigma um, because the stigma of mental health and going to a doctor, a psychiatrist, like, oh my God, you're crazy. You're weak. You're not mentally strong, especially in sports. In combat sports, um, now, like, I get that all the time. Right. You're not mentally strong. You're mentally weak, this and that, you know? Because um, I don't exhibit the same exact things other people do. Like, I'll cry, but I'll fucking beat your ass while I do it. Totally, yeah. I know. Um, so, yeah, I just sort of use that. And so we put up for um, National Alliance on Mental Illness, like, a funny page, and I got, like, 6700 bucks. And so many people reached out to me, my mom, my sister, saying, like, oh, yeah, my mom died by suicide or this or that. And people come wow. out of work and you're like, Holy fuck, I had no idea that, you know, that you dealt with this. Totally. You just find help. And then, so, like, I, to this day now, you know, being so outspoken about it and helping people, because I actually did take a mental health um, first aid course, so dealing with mental crises and stuff like that. So I am, you know, I educate myself, right? That's good. Um, It's really good. And they tell me that, like, oh, my God, you helped me so much. And I'm like, you telling me that helps me, and you're going to help other people when you start talking about your own stuff. Right. Like, they don't get it. Like, I'm not starting a revolution. I'm not, it's not my campaign anymore. I've taken a step back because everyone has their story. It's not just mine. It just happened to start with mine. Right. Thank you for that because I feel like a lot of people do hide it and they don't know what's going on. And then even when they do, they're just hiding through, you know, they're still like very discreet about what's truly happening or they, don't really even understand what is happening and they're just like i get it and you don't you don't understand it you may just be a family member or somebody who's sitting there and be, oh they're crazy they don't you know you don't get it you need to sit back you need to Why? you know or Why are they crazy right you know? because people go and they want to cast people off you know like oh they understand like oh they do weird shit i just i don't understand them you know mm-hmm. time to understand people i'm not saying you have to understand every fucking weirdo out there because some people just right don't have a why but um, except for I want attention. And so you, but the people that you care about, those are the people that you're like, why, why do you think you're feeling like this? Or like, why are you like this? Or why is your behavior that way? Because we get offended right. by stupid shit. Totally. Like someone who's super like introverted, right? I might go around and shake everyone's hand, you know, and this person doesn't say, how are you? I could easily be like, fuck that guy. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. What a fucking rude asshole. Or like, I could just be like, oh, Either he's going through something or I don't, you know, whatever. Because I'm that way. Like I said, I don't go, hi, I'm Aaron. I don't, I don't introduce myself. Um, you know, unless it's like, I just think that I'm supposed to. Right, <laughs> right, right. We, just, we won't get to that because uh, it's just me at a party. I get really scared. <laughs> I have to meet too many people. But like, you know, you just, how you treat people is like, I mean, a, a reflection of you. I agree. That's it. I agree. That's it. And so... You know, we've talked about certain energies at the gym, someone who comes in with a different energy and they're not even recognizing the energy that's already in there. Like if people are working super, super hard and you come in like just cracking jokes or like whatever, it's like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't work. So don't be surprised if you're met with resistance. A hundred percent. And don't take it personally is the better, right. the better thing, because sometimes people will not understand or be respectful that somebody may be going through something or maybe needs to take a step back because it's not always, you know, about them or whatever the and case may be. It is. Like, it is about you because yeah. I'm, my, I'm my number one. You, you, you're, you are your number one. That was really hard. You are your number you're one. You are your number one. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what Everyone's got to look out for themselves. Yeah. And then what you can give. I mean, that's what I learned in, in training. Man, training is so fucking hard because everyone tells you to be selfish and then people get pissed off when you get selfish. So tell me how, let, let's let's kind of, um, I ca- we kind of brushed up on, you know, everything, but I wanted to see now, like, how you ended up at Black House, you know? So after, you know, when did your dad do that? At what age? Do that? You could say it. Do that? I just, see. You have to say it. That's the yeah. thing. Yeah. So, you like, see, I'm, I am. Don't give him the idea. I am. He's in a mental health, you know, first aid course.
course that I remember, there was some guy raised his hand. He goes, yeah, it's basically like, no one's going to come around like, have you heard about that new drug suicide? <sighs> like, they talk about suicide in right. Disney movies. Like, there's, it's, it's there. Right. Like, when you watch a kid's movie sometimes, you're like, I got the Waterworld. My mom, apparently I was obsessed with Waterworld when I was like seven and I watched it yesterday trying to like, if I remembered it and I don't, so I think she's lying. But she said I was obsessed with it. You know, we're watching it. It's all this violence and all this shit. And she's like, I can't believe I let you watch this. And it's like, no, like we're exposed to those things. Right. Time. So, yeah, totally. Like suicide. Like you have to like stay away. Like, okay. Well, what age did your dad do that? Or commit suicide. Sorry. Oh my gosh. Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, that's the thing. It's education. Um, but she was 15. I was 15. Um, I was 24 turning 25. Okay. Um, and so, yeah. No, 25. It's just 15. Yeah, it's 25 turning 26 maybe. Yeah. Okay. Turning 26. Got it. So, uh, I suck at math. But, um, yeah, actually the date's coming up. It's July 27th, um, 2015. So, uh, it was a good amount of time um, that, has, that it's been. It still yeah. affects me. And stuff. Of course. So, you know, that kind of, so I read this book that says, um, it, what was it? Mother, no, it's fatherless daughters. Okay. You know, and it's basically, it's not all about suicide, but it's also a portion of that. It's basically when women lose their fathers and what that does to us. And I remember it says it changes your whole cosmography. What's like, the book called again? Fatherless, either fatherless daughters, or fa- I think it's fatherless women, fatherless women. There's a couple out there. I had to refine it because I read it a while ago. Okay. Um, they also have motherless women okay and so i remember it like they say like it just it changes your world whether you like it or not like you and they say various like habits like basically when that happens a woman will um look into her relationships and sometimes people choose they make decisions either i'm going to be with that person or i'm going to get a divorce right or i don't want kids or they make big life decisions because you know when you lose your father you lose that like that first male identity you know it's very heavy right so um, or if there was turmoil, that's what they call it, daddy issues, right? Totally. Um, it's a real thing. So, uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> so I was saying, because I wanted to know the timeline because this has yeah. happened in the last three years. So, so, you know, by 2016, I had, um, you know, mutually like, broken up with my boyfriend and moved back to LA. Okay. Got it. To live back with my mom. Got it. And I was just thinking, Oh, I'll move back to New York city when I figure my shit out, when I, you know, make my own name, I was a brown belt at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was doing, so I started doing seminars because I had learned how to, how to do everything with the seminars because, um, my ex was a high level black belt. And so I would reach out to gyms. I would get the contact and I would say, Hey, you know, let's work this out. I would negotiate the pricing and I would talk to other like black belts that I knew like how much I should charge. I would make the flyers. Right. At the time I was a journalist. So for jujitsu, so I had a bunch of pictures of him already. I would use my own pictures um, I would make the Facebook events. I would manually invite people. I would do all of that, right? We would do the seminar, and I saw how it was run because I was the the dummy of the Uki. Right. And then I saw how. So what I did, I took all that information. And I reached out to the same exact contacts and new ones, all of my friends, and said, "Hey, I'm going to teach seminars now. I'm going to charge this much, only a thousand dollars, you know. And and this is my lineage. And I started, you know, like these are my accomplishments, and I had to sell myself, and that was really empowering. Um, and then I went. That, um, so I got home on October 31st, Halloween, 2016, and I came home to LA and like by 2017, January, I went to Europeans and I traveled, like I did last minute stuff. I basically wow. bought a one way ticket, um, and did a whole tour. I went to Dublin. I went to Wales, London, wow. Paris, uh, Madrid, Barcelona, and I taught seminars, like four or five seminars along the way. Wow, that's Before amazing. I was forced to the stigma as well. That's so cool. Um, you know, telling my story and what. Uh, nowadays, I just tell the whole story at every every seminar that I teach. Right. So that's being a female and a brown belt, you know. And I didn't wait for anyone to, like, my, my instructor to try to make connections for me. I literally would just ask people. I would just connect with people. That's amazing. Because, you know, once someone knows jiu-jitsu, they're immediately, like, my friend. Right. It's easy for me to talk to them. Right. Um. It's not like, like you, you know the same people, so it's a small world. So, yeah, so I really like, empowered myself that way. Um, and I kept on doing the competitions, and now I could afford it because I was, had an instructional I was selling, I was doing seminars, and I was getting a chunks of money at a time. So I was like, wow, I'm fucking living off of jiu-jitsu. Cause before that, I was working for Gracie Mag, a magazine. And so I was like working a quote-unquote real job, even though it was a dream job. It was great. And so, you know, being able to be that entrepreneur that I wanted to be off of my passion and my craft, like... I remember walking to the Eiffel Tower, I have a blog about this. I was walking to the Eiffel Tower, and as soon as it started coming into 
the view, you know, I was like, oh my God, I'm walking around Paris by myself, you know, and I'm going to get paid tomorrow for doing what I love. Amazing. You know, and then it was like, oh my God, I'm single. And this is like the romantic city. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was like, it was so empowering. So when I came home and I continued on that path and I even went to Brazil and then all of a sudden I got my black belt. Nice. That was that eight year mark, you know? And from then it was like, I thought, you know, you, when you start jujitsu, you dream of like the top. Right. right? So when someone starts, I'm going to be like, I want to go get into UFC, right? Well, it's like I got into the UFC. Like I got into the black belt. I got all my ranking points from the small tournaments and I was able to do all the big tournaments. I got second at Europeans. Um, I got, I was in the finals of Europeans at black belt my first year. It was fucking amazing. Crazy. It was amazing. Huge thing for me. And um, even though I lost, like, I was like, cool. Still. Beginning. Yeah. And it was weird because I, I always kind of wanted to do MMA. And I remember telling my, my, a good friend of mine who I always go to for advice. And he, I told him, I was like, I want to go to MMA. I like, look at boxing gyms and stuff. He's like, are you fucking retarded? You just got your fucking black belt. Now you're just going to go <laughs> bitch. You know, like, you wanted this since you started. You yeah. You compete at black belts. Like, fuck, you're right. Yeah. You know, it had just been so long. And. You know, I felt like I was doing the same shit all the time. So I just was branching out. I was training at other places and teaching seminars. I did a whole month in Australia, like teaching 11 seminars. Um, and it's funny because I had, you know, people asking me, like, how did you get so many seminars, you know? And I'm like, I just fucking asked. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's how people like, relate to me. Cause yeah. I'm nothing, I say, like, oh, nothing special. I just work hard. People are just so afraid to just ask a freaking question. I ask the worst question. I will, like, I ask them because I'm like, just tell me, just tell me now. Like, They're the so on. afraid of rejection. And, and I like, am. I still am. For yeah. Sure. Like, I'm afraid to lose. I'm afraid of all this stuff. Like, I mean, I guess we all are. We, we all, all are. are. We all are. But there's certain things that just get easier over time. You know, right. Especially when money's involved. Right. Um, so yeah, like I was able to find that passion for what I did and, and like make money off it. And just like, that was living my dream, you know? Um, but then I just felt, like, uh, I got, so I found a dermoid cyst slash teratoma tumor on my ovary. Uh, it was attached to my left ovary. I've been growing basically my whole life. Like, since I was born, like, it was destined to happen. This and shit it, cannot be made up. So, um, yeah. This is some, like... So I up with someone when I was in Europe. And from there, like, I, I just had pain and it wouldn't stop. And I thought I had kidney stones. Cause like, prior, like, a couple months prior right. um, in Brazil, I had kidney stones. Which may or may not have been kidney stones after all, knowing what this is. I still don't know. And uh, so then they're like, we don't see any kidney stones. And I was like, fuck, dude. He's like, I can't get a better reading. Can you go drink water? I need your bladder to be bigger. And I was like, bro, I got to cut weight. I'm competing in the morning. I'm going to go to the sauna after this. Oh, my God. This is as good as I'm going to get. I got to go. Because I was at a public hospital in Portugal. Oh, my gosh. So I go to the sauna and I make weight and all this stuff. And so the morning I'm ready to compete. And I get through it, you know. Oh, my God. Because it intensified, but the adrenaline would keep it. And then as soon as I calmed down, I was able to, you know. So, um, I went home and I was there like, yeah, and he was like basically with his fingers was like, you don't feel that. And I'm like, well, gee, I've never like inspected too many vaginas. So I right. there. And so he's like, yeah, you have a mess. So you need to go get that checked out. I get the, um, what is it? The, uh, um, ultrasound. ultrasound. Yeah. And so they did the outside, but then they did the inside, but the transvaginal right. really looked at everything. Right. And that's when she couldn't tell me anything, but she left a sheet of paper that was, <laughs> that was there uh, while I was changing and I looked over and I took a picture of it and it said that there was like a mass that was like so and so big so basically I had like an apple sized tumor attached to my left ovary and it had hair and teeth <laughs> inside this so, is like my big fat Greek wedding shit yes basically it's like yes <laughs> <laughs> and I said that so many times and I was like telling people this story so oh my god yeah. so uh there was a lump. There was a twist. It had like a teeth and a. Anyways, they open. They don't know what exactly is inside. So basically, it's this like it's a tumor that they grow. It grows things that are meant to be like on the outside. Hair. There'll be like sebum, sebum, whatever that like beauty pus. Right. It's like in your your zits and stuff. Um and nails and mine had a jaw. What? I found a jaw. The hell? Like, How did you get the jaw out? Because it was um, it was laparoscopic. So they just put two holes. The camera was going through my belly button. So they took, you know, they just had to take it out of this little slit, <laughs> right? So he was, well, we had to break it. And what? I was like, you broke my second 
job. Oh my he's god. Like, he, he was like so serious. So I had okay, I had Medi-Cal, which is like the you know, welfare uh, healthcare of uh, California. And I got a $50,000 surgery for free. And I, oh I'm my so God. grateful. And I had good surgeons. Wow. Really, really good gynecologists. So lucky you're there. So, but it kind of changed the trajectory of things. Trajectory. Because um, all of a sudden, my first year at Black Belt that I was already doing so well, I got second in Europeans. And then there's Pans, Abu Dhabi, and Worlds. And, I'm, and I had a plan to even go to Brazil to prepare for Worlds. Because I loved Brazil so much. And I'm like, I'm going to do this and this. And all of a sudden, it was like, sure. No, nothing. You're not yeah. about any of that. Um, that's really hard to deal with. So yeah, I went through that because like I couldn't really train hard because I would like kind of like feel like I got put, like punched in the stomach. Right. Sometimes before that, I'd be like a little ache. Uh, and I didn't. And they told me like if it's if it gets twisted and gets stuck, it could cut off the blood supply to your ovary and you're done. I actually competed in a super fight, um, fight to win. Knowing this was in my body, girl. I had to wait for Medi-Cal to approve everything, so it was a process. So here I am, starting my binge watching of Netflix. You know, being like, "Well, this is my life now." As soon as I go to train, I'd be like discouraged, and then and then I got the surgery, and a, less than a month, less than a month after my surgery, I was already working out again. Okay, and I still had stitches in. So um, how did you end up? At Black House. Oh, I'm getting there. So yeah. Oh, okay. So I That's... competed at World. I competed in Abu Dhabi because I had the ticket because I was like number one ranked for American Black Belt. Right. You know? Um. So I, I get the ticket. So I went. So my friends lived there. All that stuff. I decided to compete. Took out the stitches. Competed. Um, oh my gosh. Perhaps went out to the repostage, whatever, and like won one, lost one, whatever. But I didn't feel pain. So that right. Was an indicator. And I was like, I have one month till Worlds. I can do this. So right. Two months post op. I got to Worlds as a black belt, and I literally remember sitting there being like, I don't want to fucking be here. Like, I don't even care if I win Worlds. Like, what's going to change in my life? Because, like, you know, when you're, your face is, like, kind of like a physical thing, you're like, oh, my God, like, my body's not going to be, you know, able to do this for mm-hmm. my whole life. Or, you know, there's, like, things that happen. You're like, like who honestly expects to get a fucking tumor with a jaw in it on the over? I'm like, Shh. I'm like, man, this is this is wild. And so I kind of looked at the people around me who were the world champions, and I was like, do I really admire them as people? Not really. Yeah. Um, do I really want to be care to be like their life? Like, not really. Um, do I still want to be a world champion? Yeah, but in my own way. In right. My own way. And I right. felt like I wasn't doing it my own way. So um, I remember I went to like Lucas Lepre's in Charlotte, and I went nomading for a while. Mm-hmm. I was in New York before I went to Australia. I went to Asia, came back, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Charlotte one more time to see if I want to live there. And I stayed at the high-level black belt. Amazing, amazing black belt. Best light in the world. And um, Lucas Leprey. And he was like, well, I have my apartment that I moved out of. So there's like a mattress there. We have it for the last month. So you can just stay there. So I stayed there like a freaking drug addict. Like, think Oh, bad. my you know, gosh. Like cooking with a plastic fork and stuff. And um, walking to the gym, walking back to training. People don't understand like the shit we yeah. that we go through yeah. like honestly like they don't understand people will look at our lives and honestly think that we are living the glitz and the glam or that we have the most perfect lives or something you know and it but you yeah, i don't want to complain i don't want to no. complain about it no it's but it's just shit, but perception like, is bullshit it's like so awesome to live that way yeah fucking appreciate everything totally so i'm sitting there i remember it was the fight for um conor gregor and khabib Mm. And um, I fought the Starlet Open, and I won double gold, and we go out, and I just get super stoned, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go home and sleep. So that's what I did. I didn't even watch the fights, because I, I had to go out, because like, right. I, I didn't have a TV there or anything, and I was like, I'm so exhausted. I do not feel like going out, trying to meet up with the guys, find a place. So I went to sleep. I woke up, and I was like, I want to do MMA. I don't know what it was. It was a lot of things with Connor, mm-hmm. like seeing his life, um, and just seeing like just how he did it his way. And so, you know, knowing that he can, um, you know, like, I don't know, become the biggest thing and just be like the biggest shithead he wants to be in his own way. I was like, fuck, dude, that's the, I guess that's what I want. I want freedom, you know, and freedom of expression. And there's not a lot of that on something like a traditional martial art. Right. I'm so grateful for that. But now I I learned the discipline, so now I'm going to go out and do what I want. Um, So then I hit up a friend in Vegas because I knew Hector. So Hector Vasquez owns um, the Cobrina in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And we, we trained together. We're both black folk in the Cobrina. So I knew that he had trained Claudia Gadelia. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to hit him up and say, I'm going to do it with me. 
He goes, okay, I'm here. And I was like, all right, I'll go to New York first, and then I'll book a flight for Vegas. Right. So while I was there, I went to Super Rare, and I grabbed the gloves. You know, the, uh, I got friends there, and I was just like, yeah. Shout out, Super Rare. Hey, Dylan. Um, and so, you know, he also has a shop in L.A., so it's kind of funny. Yeah. I moved, and then I was able to see that one, too. I went to the grand opening and stuff. Or the one-year anniversary, I think it was. And so, um, yeah, so I got the gloves, and I was like, all right, I'm fucking ready. So I go there. I'm fucking ready. I get up the plane. I go there. And then like Hector has me like teaching the classes and stuff, which is awesome because I never teach classes. I always just teach seminars and go, see you later. Right. I don't, maybe I'll never see you again. Like, like I teach you what I know and I leave. And then here it's like, okay, you teach classes and you see the same people and you watch them grow and elevate. So yeah, it was a really cool feeling. And I was like, man, I could do this. And Las Vegas is pretty cheap. And you know, we're all, cause he, he's a spontaneous kind of like go for your passion type of thing right so he's like cool he got me two privates with eddie from extreme couture he's like that's what i'm gonna do i'll put you extreme couture we'll find you a, a teaching gig so i was like all right well, i'm gonna go home because i haven't been home for a month and then i'll you know I'll talk about it and then he wasn't able to get me a gig at his school and then this and that but at the meantime in the meantime i had gotten this message from brazilian samurai mma mm-hmm. um you know he followed me like my photos and stuff and i look at his profile and it says head mma coach of black house and i was like oh shit like i know i know black house you right know? like black house like kenny johnson teaches cobrina you know the wrestling works with him and stuff and um that's who teaches the wrestling there and i don't know much about striking so i don't much about, know much about this coach but oh look he's attached to checkmat okay yeah i know people at checkmat right we know a lot of the same people it's like cool and he's like, yeah, just come in and train. We'll, we'll work together. And I was like, all right. And I was like, either he's just trying to hit on me or, you know, <laughs> or this is going to be real. So I walk in because I, I was able to come in right after they had done their morning training. Right. Uh, because, you know, I don't work real <laughs> jobs. <or anything. laughs> so I was like, all right, let's do this. So I go, I go there and I meet Kona, Shaman, and um, I don't know if Miguel was there. But, you know, they were all really cool. Yeah. And I was like, all right. And he worked with me and he was already like, no, do this. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll yeah. do it. Like he treated me like I was a student off the bat. And I was like, all right, let's do it again. Do another private. I don't know how many times I did privates, but I just like hung around and stuff. And then, and then he's like, jump in the class. And so then I remember like the first day of wrestling, Kenny Johnson and I got our black belts on the same day. From oh, wow. And I was like, black belt buddy, you know? So yeah. I felt like, okay, cool. You kind of know my thing. I'm a grappler and I pull guard. Yeah. And I'm meaning I sit on my ass. Like I don't actually go for takedowns. So right. We're going to be having to rewire some things in my brain. And he was basically like, cool. Yeah. So Juan brought me in, um, as this like prospect because he saw that, okay, I'm good at jujitsu, whatever. And you know, she wants to do the striking. Let's see. Kind of worked me a little bit. So my program is his program. That's my program for MMA. That's my program for, Everything but the wrestling, right. which is the, you know the striking for MMA. And it's, I feel like I'm getting a shortcut. It's awesome. Like, yeah, would I love to you know go learn everything, the science of boxing? Do I want to you know Muay Thai and all these things? Yes, but I'm turning 30 in a month, and I you know if I'm gonna do this, like I gotta do MMA. Right. And people ask me like, how? What belt do you think I should be before I go into MMA? You know, I waited till black belt. Right. And uh, the reason I did that was because of the freedom and being able to like kind of feel like a completion of something. Totally. And then be able to expand. Right. But, um, you know, because before that, people were like, why are you just, why are you training striking? I thought you wanted to do jiu-jitsu. It's like this snobby thing. Um, and so I was able to learn just the striking through him, and that's been carrying me through. And we're just waiting for a fight at this point. So literally, one was the person. And I met one. And now I literally live there. I brought a teardrop trailer that's in the parking lot, you know, yeah, or, you know, nearby the gym. So I'm really like, just like I'm grinding, you know, everything is about fighting and absorbing as much as I can. Right. I'm not trying to like rush anything. Of course not. In fact, I, you know, I was supposed to do my debut a few times already, mm-hmm. but I haven't gotten fights and it's like, okay, more time to work. That's fine. So I'm not in a rush in that sense. Like things will come at their time as long as I'm working hard. Right. I'm not trying to work. I'm not trying to like get quantity in and, oh, I got to get all this. I'm not cramming anything. I would train, you know, twice a day, only in the morning. So you do my strength and conditioning and I do my regular like wrestling or striking. Right. And then, you know, I chill and I rest because rest is so important. I realize it is just sleep can help me. It is to be able to reset and be able to get up the next morning and then, get my ass kicked again. Totally. Um, totally. So I feel like that has helped a lot. So I mean, I'm not that, I mean, in jiu-jitsu, it's like, well, you should be drilling and you should be training twice and you should be doing all this stuff. And 
I never identified with that. I just felt like that broke my body down and I was just shit. I was a blob. Yeah. I didn't want to be there. And like, yeah, sometimes in training, I don't want to be there because it's fucking hard, but it challenges me. Mm-hmm. And there are some days that I literally feel like I'm not cut out for it. And there's other days that I'm like, fuck yeah, nobody can touch me. That's what I live for. I live for that excitement. Yeah. I want to have a fucking nine to five and go the same place every day, the same way. Yeah. We all have moments. Um, I had, you know, it's funny because a lot of people think I'm like the strongest person ever. And then I had a moment and Aaron was there. And when I had a moment, I was just so embarrassed about it. And it was literally when I was training with Juan and I just threw my gloves off. I said, I'm fucking done. And I just sat there and I cried. And Aaron came and was like, it's fine. Like you're dealing with it the way you should. And I didn't know what the hell I was dealing with, but that's just the thing about what she's doing too. Like I've seen her, she's cried me like I'm throwing my gloves off. Literally, I'm fucking done with this. And it's just like, dude, this is, this is the game. This is what it is. You want to give up on days, but those are the days that like people are going to mentally push you. People are going to physically break you. And then you have to figure out like, my, am I going to make it? You know, did I die? <laughs> that quote, you know, that quote, but did I die? And you didn't. And that's the thing. People don't under, and I, it's even with like my own girls. I'm like, if you can't do this, like God forbid, you know, something happens to you outside here. And I tell them, I train you, you girls may not understand how I'm training you, but I train you to protect yourselves when you walk out the store. Or if you can like run, you know, just do something. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it means running away, whether it means like to doing someone or anything like that. Like that's what it has taught me that I can put up with so much, you know, and especially my dad's death. Like she did to help me so much because one, I felt like I had a family. Yeah. Like I literally did. I remember I came in the day that, um, the day before I was going to fly out and I didn't train because I was just like, holy fuck. And I was watching and I remember I waited until like the three people that were all guys, you know, and I, and I sat, sat them down and I told them what happened and they all hugged me and they all, yeah. I mean, and it's funny cause I don't talk to either of those three now. Yeah. You know, and that's like the whole phases thing. In life. Right. You know, like since I've moved to MMA, I don't really talk to a lot of jujitsu people. Unless it's they, crazy. You know, and I just feel like they're always there, but they're still like following you they look yeah, up to like, you, they, you know, they, they watch my life and I feel like it's the easiest way for me to keep up with it. Like people I'll see them like, yeah, I looked at your story and I saw this, you know? Um, and I just didn't really have like any inhibitions to speak out about it. Mm-hmm. I felt safe. Right. I felt safe in my jujitsu community. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm excited and I just want to know like what's next. What are you doing these next couple weeks? What are you going to so, be up to? I, um, you know, I've been living at the gym. Yeah. Right? And I just feel that I, you know, this is my life. But at the same time, I'm trying to get a fight. And Mm -hmm. I can't get a fight because people are afraid of my black belt. And I'm trying to do amateur because I don't want to go into pro without having felt like, do I really want to do this? Right. You know, because no amount of training can really prepare you for the full experience. Right. I want it. I want to try. I was supposed to debut last Saturday, but they couldn't find me to put in three different weight classes, you know? And, um... I don't know. I just, uh, I want to find like the best opportunity and I'm not going to rush it and I'm not going to try to like force it. Cause I really feel like I'll get the right fight at the right time when I'm ready. You know? Right. Right. When I'm truly ready. And then I'm just going to keep training until then. However, I decided to spend a week next week, um, going back to the East coast where weirdly I'm like wanted <laughs> over there. And I have always identified like my family is from the East coast mm-hmm. sides, and I don't know. I, I feel like people say, I love my heart. You know, San Francisco from right. one movie, whatever. I'm gonna do it for Jess. But like, I, my heart is there, like in New Jersey and, and um in New York City. Yeah. So I'm always wanting to go there. Like anytime I want to travel, like New York City, it's where I want to go. Well, New York City, hit her up because aren't well, you gonna be? Yeah. yeah. New York City, Philly, um, Baltimore, and DC. Woo. And New Jersey. Exciting. So I'm going to teach jiu-jitsu and make some money. Yeah, that's girl. That's the only way that I make money. So that's why I want people to know that. Like, I don't, like, you know, I used to have people who cared about, like, oh, God, this doesn't, that sounds unprofessional. Mm-hmm. If you're like, hey, guys, no. come and pay me because I need money to continue living. This is what life. you love. And the fact that I share, I share my life. It's not like, you're going to do money and I'm going to go do stuff. Like, no, right. I show you I'm grinding. I show you that I'm fucking hurt or I'm on the top of the world, or this or that. Like, I show you everything. So it's almost like, you know, for a, a dollar a day, you can... 
Right. I'm going to be someone. I'm going to be you a will. champion. I don't know what organization. I don't know in what way. And that's fine because I just, I want my life to be important, you know, like just to leave a legacy wherever I go. And so that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and so that's like seminars and, and things like t-shirts. And, you know, even if you can't go to someone's MMA fight because those tickets are fucking expensive. Yeah. At least what Kenny has said is, Pay the person that the whatever cut they would have gotten. So the you know, the tickets a hundred bucks. Give them twenty bucks. Yeah, because that's what the, that's really what you're supporting. You're supporting the fighter. Right. You know. So yeah, do come out and support people like small business. Right. You know, if you somehow any at all like benefit from this person, even if it's just like, hey, I, I've had people say I got off a couch because you did. Yeah. <laughs> you did. You did that. So I, I love you. it. I love you know? it. Yeah. So, you know, you, I just want to be able to like be that for people. Yeah. In order to do that, I need some money. Of course. <laughs> so yeah, you everybody who's sitting around and like, well, one hundred and fifty dollars a session or a hundred and what? How? No yeah. way. Listen. Listen, we're not like, and that's the thing I always tell people. Like, I have a hard time being like trying to. It's not a sales tactic to me. Like, this is life. But if you yeah. want it, you gotta you gotta want it. And I'm here for you. And I tell all of my clients, I'm gonna open the door, just like my mentor said to me. I'm gonna open this door for you, but you got to walk through it. Like I'm going to give you all the tools, but are you going to slam that door? Are you going to walk through it once, you know? Yeah. And it's, I I can't keep giving people that much confidence. Like you got to find it within yourself. You can't wake up and pull somebody out of bed, you know, to come and train. They have to be able to come and do that themselves. So, um, anyways, you guys, uh, we are going to wrap it up and, I'm so excited you came into this. I, I, I really. Literally, you were like, "Want to do a podcast right now?" Yeah. Like, when are you gonna be home? <laughs> I'm right gonna be home in 20 minutes. <laughs> if she got here, but um, I really hope that this is helping or has helped or is gonna maybe help anybody who's out there listening or you know maybe dealing with some of the things that Aaron went through or. or you went through. Yeah, some of the. Yeah. You know, you, you know. get discouraged. This and that. Everybody deals yeah. with it, right? I'm just trying. To- like, imagine if someone were to, like, shit their pants next to you. Like, <laughs> and they're so embarrassed, right? Yeah. Imagine the person next to you is like, fuck, oh, I hate when that happens. Yeah. You're just like, oh, God, okay, I'm not alone. Yeah. That's what I do for people. Yeah. Like, literally, people will fart on me in training, and I'm all, ha, it's all good. <laughs> you know, I just want to be that person that's like, feel comfortable in your own skin. Right. Where every day I find I find a way not to. Right. Not to be. I, I find a way to judge myself. Or, yeah. Or be that, like, huge critic, you know? Yeah. And I just want to... Tell people like that. I deal with that too. Yeah. So whenever I'm dealing with it, that's when I put up a motivational thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because like I needed it that day. Totally. And, and I usually the things I post, I needed that day. Yeah, totally. And I, you definitely inspire me. And I, in the last few months that I've known you, and that's why I took the initiative. Like there have been times where, you know, I haven't had money, and Aaron's been in, in a situation. I'm like, just girl go buy yourself food you know like whatever because I'm like I love her in that way where she's like my sister and it's not even that it's just like I see how hard you work I see so much of what you do and I have nothing but respect for it and I see like literally we we pass each other in the gym on some days we look so fucking torn up we're like dying crying hair mask you know everything and then we're like we'll look at each other and we're like one day we're gonna look at each other and be like Remember that day that yeah. we want, you know, and yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, dude. And it, people, you know, it's going to happen. So everybody who's in Philly, New York, New Jersey, go hit up my girl. Um, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for being so open and honest like you always are. I love you very much. And um, yeah, you guys, I hope that you guys enjoyed this. And that's it. Love y'all. <laughs>